Welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. After we hook up with Jeff Turner of Murphy Family Ventures, my co-host, we'll connect with David Zimmerman. He's the director of the Southern Farm Show in Raleigh. Yep, it's that time of year again. Then we'll talk diesel fuel. Fill them up now or wait till a little closer to planning. We'll get the advice of the head petroleum analyst for GasBuddy.com. Our program is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. We start the show, as always, with Jeff Turner. Hey, Dan. Good morning to you. How are you? I am well. Kind of downtime around the farm, but we're all uh, getting our machinery repaired. A couple of warm days and a cold weekend this last weekend. This is the downtime to be able to get things back together, maybe do some shopping for the upcoming year. I suspect a lot of folks are. I see a lot of tractors out mowing ditch banks and cleaning up and getting ready for another season. You know, the CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show on in Las Vegas, one of the highlights this year was a completely autonomous John Deere sprayer. Not something often that makes it at CES, but it was a big highlight. You know, we run into this all all the time. That the labor issue is yeah. uh, is is real. We're trying to figure out how we automate everything we do here on the farm and of course, you know, we've got river landing golf courses as well, and, and we're always looking at opportunities to figure out how can we get that work done mechanically rather than manpower. It's kind of ironic. I want to share this article by Chris Bennett that appeared in the uh, Farm Journal. Back in 1836, a broke blacksmith moved his family from Illinois to Vermont to escape his creditors. A year later, after building a fledgling blacksmith shop, he picked up a broken sawmill bandsaw blade and carried it home. What he fashioned that polished steel into would set an agricultural revolution in motion via industrial-scale production of the self-scouring moldboard plow. The blacksmith who I speak of's name was John Deere. Fast forward to today. Over 185 years later, next month, the last moldboard plow is set to roll off John Deere's assembly line, closing the curtain on a farm icon ranked by the Smithsonian among the tools that made America. In 1837, Deer produced a single moldboard plow from a section of that bandsaw blade. Deer was not the first, but his design was unique enough to win him a U.S. patent. In 1837, he made two plows. 1839, he made ten. But less than 20 years later, in 1857, John Deere and Company made 10,000 plows. With that first moldboard-related patent granted in 1864 and the marketing genius of his son, Charles, Deer's name became synonymous with farming, and his machinery eventually covered the globe. In February, the last John Deere moldboard plow, a six-bottom plow with coulters that lists for $67,000, will come off the factory line. Things have come a long way. I think the, the first John Deere plow sold for like 10 bucks, and now this one's over 6000 And this come is a long an, way, baby. You he, know, it's an amazing story. You shared that with me, and it's, it, it is an amazing story. John Deere, the guy. Uh, having to leave one state and move uh, yeah. halfway across the United States to set up shop to escape the creditors. It's hard to believe that they will no longer be building the thing that brought them to where they are today. When I was a young guy just off the farm, I worked for a subcontractor for the FHA. We called on farmers in the flat bottom land of uh, Canajoharie and Fort Plain, New York, along the Mohawk River. And uh, I got to drive a big bud tractor, which had... I think it is 16 or 18 bottom plow in it, almost like tearing up a four-lane highway in one pass. You're oh, getting it done. <laughs> baby, I, I've never had such a powerful moment in my entire life before or since. That was, uh, my manhood was all in full bloom right there at 18 years old. 
looking back and again seeing progress of what you're doing is a huge thing. And, uh, an opportunity to to see something happen that instant instant gratification is pretty neat. Now it's down to mowing the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Dog. Oh, so if we're getting rid of some of the big b- ground breakers and we're going to more no till and more chisel plows, is it because we're not breaking new ground like they were back in 1857 when America was headed west. Well, certainly things have changed. And as you say, it, it's not new land. It doesn't have the same requirements that uh, new land would have. I don't know. I'm kind of old school. I like to see the land turned every now and then. But um, obviously, I'm old school. So, But but in today's world, uh, the, the no-till piece and, you know, these guys that are really believers in no-till, they think about the worms and all those little critters that's down below the soil, but that's um, there's no doubt about it. It's a better way to go. Today's show actually dovetails real well with what we're talking about. We'll talk with David Zimmerman about new technology and the latest and greatest. You can kick the tires at the Southern Farm Show, that today. And we'll also talk to Patrick DeHaan, who is the petroleum analyst for Gas Buddy. Saving diesel fuel is what the idea is here on some of the no-till equipment. That's ahead on Eastern Carolina Farming. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller along with co-host Jeff Turner. We're joined by David Zimmerman. David is the director of the Southeast Farm Show that takes place in Raleigh coming up in about, oh, 15 or so days. How are things lining up? You got everybody booked in and, and you got plenty of space left? Or We have a full house of indoor exhibitors uh, with a waiting list. I guess we do have a few outdoor spots available. That's a big fairground, so I can we can always add in folks outside. But we use all the buildings there, and we put up five large exhibit tents. So we've, we've managed to get all that full, so it's going to be a big show. How long have you been doing this, David? Uh, the show started in 1978. My father produced this show before that in uh, Georgia. And when they built the Jim Graham building, uh, Commissioner Graham talked them into bringing it to North Carolina. So that started in 78. And it's been going every year except one, right? <laughs> we missed, uh, we missed one two years ago with COVID, like a lot of events at the fairgrounds and everywhere else. But uh, it's happened every year since, and uh, rain and snow and everything else. I've been there through rain and snow as well. Let's hope we don't have either of which coming up the beginning of the next month. Last year, which was the first year back from COVID, there were some blank spaces. You've only got maybe, well, you can always put pitch a tent somewhere, but there's only like four outdoor spaces. You are chock-a-block full. We've probably got 60 new exhibitors this year, so there'll be a lot of equipment there that uh, folks haven't seen before if they came last year. How many exhibitors? It's around 400 exhibitors, but, you know, when you start counting all the manufacturers that are there, I don't know how many there is. We've got, you know, farm equipment distributors who are there. They may be representing 20, 30 brands. Certainly lots to see. It covers pretty much, uh, if it's agriculture in North Carolina, it's pretty much covered there. You've already started planning next year, I would imagine, but every year things obviously change a bit. Uh, more and more uh, electric, if you might uh, guess. Uh, we've actually got a electric tractor going to be there. It's going to be interesting to see uh, out of California. So uh, first one of those we've ever had at the show. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's a small duty type tractor, but uh, be interesting to see how that thing uh, looks. Better yet, how it performs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or how long, right? Right. Yeah, how long does it perform? We're all good for aesthetics, but if it doesn't do something, it's a, it's a paperweight. 
you know, out in California, they're they're requiring um, the outdoor power equipment anyway to go all our electric here soon. I think so. Good reason to live in North Carolina. Yeah, we talk about the left coast often. <laughs> you know, you can look at all this stuff online and read articles, but and, you know, until you get to the show and talk to some of these manufacturers, reps, and and you know, experts who are there. They're the ones that can answer those questions, and you know what? There'll probably be five different answers <laughs> to that same question. Other than exhibitors, far as entertainment and food, because without food, what's a farm show? Uh, well, uh, we uh, we actually, you know, we use uh, certainly all the concessions there at the fairgrounds, but we also bring in four or five food trucks. So we'll have uh, lots of barbecue and all the things you'd expect. You know, a lot of meals take place, uh, breakfasts and lunches. Uh, the backer growers have their luncheon at the show. The North Carolina Growers Association uh, will be there. So lots of meal uh, opportunities there. Tell me a little bit about parking and give me the show hours and days. Sure. Uh, February 1, 2, and 3, that's a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Hours are 9 to 4, Wednesday and Thursday, 9 to 3 on Friday. Uh, you know, the show's free to come to. Uh, the parking's free. Take you a whole day to see it for sure. If you get the Southeast Farm Press, it'll come out ahead of the show, so you should get that in the mail. So all that information will be in there. All the seminars, all the programs going on. We're going to have our pesticide continuing edu- education on Wednesday morning again. Uh, a couple hours of credits there you can get. New this year, we're working with the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, their Farm Service Agency. They're going to be there Wednesday morning as well, giving three sessions about really how to make the most of their price support and their loan program. So that should be a should be a good program for folks who are want to learn more about that. Uh, a lot of new things to see, a lot of a lot of new exhibitors, so I hope folks get the chance to come up and come to Raleigh and then check it out. David Zimmerman is director of the Southern Farm Show. We'll find it in Raleigh as he mentioned the first, second and third of the month of February. Thanks for joining us. Great great to talk to you fellas. Okay. See you there, David. Bye. Take care. You're listening to Talk 96.3 and 103.7. We'll be back in just a minute. Thanks to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture. It's got to be NC. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. Our program is sponsored in part by First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna Byram and let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. As we talked about the Southern Farm Show last segment, we'll see Donna there coming up beginning of next month. Or you can call her at 252-792-1189. Joined by Patrick DeHaan, who is the head petroleum analyst for GasBuddy.com. Patrick, we always talk to you about gas prices going up. This is one of the few times in the program that we talk about gas prices going down uh, we'll get to diesel in just a minute, but uh, we've got a little relief at the pump. Yeah, it's uh, been a dramatic turnaround since summer. Depending on the context, we're paying a lot less today than we were uh, during the summer. The average now statewide down to about 3.11 a gallon. That's down about two cents from a week ago, but we did see a pretty big hiccup there just after Christmas. A lot of that had to do with gasoline uh, supply. A lot of refineries went down in areas like Texas because of the extreme cold that hit the week of Christmas. There was that blizzard, the Arctic chill, caused a lot of refinery issues to creep up, and that hit gasoline production, pushing prices up. But for diesel, we've seen prices continue to fall. Now, as you mentioned, a dramatic improvement in prices compared to this summer, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that Americans don't consume as much gasoline in the colder months. Demand is lower. 
we're also back on the cheaper winter blend of gasoline, and that's what's really helping out. The, is the lack of airline traffic as well also helping out? In other words, they're, they were major consumers. They're not as big of consumers now, the airlines. They've seen a bit of a rebound, but earlier this summer it was more problematic, as, as well as driving. Americans don't do quite as much traveling via air in the winter months. I mean, a lot of it is summer vacations, not so much winter vacations. So, you know, when we look at consumption, gasoline and jet fuel consumption is definitely lower in the winter because Americans don't travel as much. Diesel is a little bit of the opposite. Diesel consumption is higher in winter because diesel is also the same as heating oil, which are used kind of extensively in some of the more rural areas to heat homes where there's not natural gas infrastructure. And so diesel consumption in the winter is higher. Uh, as we look forward, obviously planting time is right around the corner for farmers in eastern North Carolina. Will there be ample supply of diesel? That's the first question. And the second question, what do you think about pricing? Well, diesel, I think supply is going to continue improving. Now, Mother Nature could play a role because, like I said, heating oil and diesel are basically two brothers of a product. So if Mother Nature continues to cooperate, we've had some warmer temperatures than what we're used to seeing. That could help reduce demand, and that could help build supply. Uh, but we've seen a dramatic improvement in supply compared to, you know, what we were seeing this fall. Diesel prices have come down significantly, over 30 cents a gallon in the last month. That's a trajectory I would expect to continue. So long as Mother Nature cooperates, that will help limit heating oil consumption, and that will mean more diesel supply. As we progress through the year, my forecast is that diesel prices would continue to gently moderate. We're down to an average in North Carolina of about $4.60 for diesel. I think by the end of the year, we'll probably be under $4. Maybe for now, don't be in a hurry to fill up. I think there will be improvement in diesel. But there's a lot of unpredictable factors. You know, when diesel went up, when we went to clean diesel, for my lifetime was always a few nickels less than gasoline and then became more expensive than gasoline when we got to clean diesel. And then when we hit this last spike to 12 yep. months ago or so, it just far exceeded the cost of gasoline, and it's not really come back down. And why is that, Patrick? Well, there's a lot of factors that exacerbate that gap between gasoline and diesel. First, I would say that covid really caused uh, an abrupt drop in U.S. refining capacity, right? Refineries were basically losing money on every gallon of gasoline and diesel they sold back in 2020. That caused many refineries to shut down, or at least 5% of capacity went offline because of COVID. Not all of it came back. The second problem is the renewable transition to cleaner diesel. A lot of refineries have converted their facilities uh, to produce more renewable diesel. The problem with that is you don't get as much product out as you do with a traditional refinery that's producing traditional diesel. So output is lower. The third problem is really Russia's war in Ukraine. Russian oil is heavy. It yields a lot of heavy products. And with the uh, European Union trying to cut off the flow of Russian oil, it's had to look elsewhere for its supply of diesel, and the EU uses a lot of diesel. So there's been a tremendous amount of demand. All of those have really blown out the gap between gasoline and diesel. But with new capacity at refineries coming online in 2023, I'm hopeful that will slowly get a, an improvement in the gap. It's not going to close, but it certainly will come down. Did I hear you just say that some particular uh, source material for crude is better worked as diesel than others? Absolutely. Uh, heavy Canadian oil, heavy oil produces more heavy products like diesel. And so it's all about what type of oil you're putting in into your refinery. 
that's where uh, Canadian oil has come in because a lot of this Canadian oil is heavy sour and it will yield more products like diesel. So what a refinery puts in determines what comes out. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities there. In fact, I mentioned a lot of refining capacity that's opening in the year ahead. Not so much of it in the U.S., but a lot of it overseas. The good news is that that capacity is going to be skewed to running as much diesel as possible, which is abnormal. Usually refineries will skew to run more gasoline because it's more in demand. But with all of what's happened over the last 12 months, a lot of this refinery capacity coming online is going to favor diesel, and that's good news. Are we getting more Canadian oil than we have in the past or with what the administration did with the pipeline and that sort of thing, does that have any impact at all as we go forward? Keep in mind, we already have a good source of Canadian oil in the Keystone pipeline. Now, it was shut down, and that did impact some refineries. If the Keystone XL pipeline had not been canceled, it probably would not have been finished just yet. So is it making a difference in the market? No. But in the future, the lack of an additional pipeline could prove more of an impact. But keep in mind, a pipeline only ships oil that's being produced in Canada. Canada's administration has been very anti-oil production. And so there's a question as well, would there have been enough oil to put in that pipeline to have a significant impact on the market? And Trudeau has been cracking down and moving away from production of oil and natural gas in Canada. So the biggest answer to your question It's kind of, well, it's convoluted. There's not an impact so much today, but down the road with the lack of additional infrastructure, that certainly could be something that we may cite down the road for why prices are higher. Last question, Patrick, as you look at world events that could sway our gasoline diesel prices one way or the other, what are the headlines you're looking for that cause you great concern? Uh, You know, I'm I'm watching what China's doing. Obviously, there's a lot of concern, not only with their economy, uh, but with their intentions with Taiwan and and what that could do to destabilize the region. Also, OPEC policy. OPEC and the U.S. have not had the friendliest relations the last year and a half. Look for, hopefully, some improvement there. But OPEC really holds the key to the world's most significant amount of oil production. And then the Russia war in Ukraine. If that takes an unexpected turn... Uh, there could be some challenges in the year ahead simply because Russia is still the world's one of the world's largest oil producers. And if they stop exporting oil, uh, that would be uh, quite problematic. Patrick DeHaan is the head of petroleum analysis for GasBuddy.com, joining us on Eastern Carolina Farming. Thank you, man. Take care. Thanks for having me. Such insight. Patrick, is always fascinating to have on the program. Coming up, I'll take a look at last week's market numbers week after. I'll take a last week. My goodness gracious. I'll take a look at last week's market numbers week over week. That's next. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Now a look at last week's market numbers week over week. Number two yellow shelled corn was steady to five cents higher when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 703 to 781 at the feed mills, 703 to 756 at the elevators through Thursday, January the 12th. Number two yellow soybeans were 14 to 26 cents higher and range mostly 1515 to 1568 at the processors, mostly 1475 to 1518 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was mixed 32 cents lower to 11 cents higher, range 656 to 723 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants was 528.90 to 541.30 per ton for 46.5 to 48 percent protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery. Corn ranged 599 to 703. Wheat was 619 to 715. 
North Carolina 2022 season sweet potatoes, 40-pound cartons, orange types, U.S. number ones, 14 to 17, mostly 16. U.S. number one petites, 10 to 13, some as high as 15. Livestock futures, all prices per hundred weight. February lean hogs were off a dollar sixty-two to seventy-eight sixty-five. April lean hogs were off two dollars thirty-eight cents to eighty-seven twenty-seven. January feeder cattle off a dollar forty-five to one eighty-one twenty-five. And March feeder cattle off two dollars and seventy-eight cents to one eighty-two eighty-seven. February live cattle up ninety-five cents to one fifty-seven seventy-two. And April live cattle up twenty-three cents to one sixty ninety. Uh, coming up in a few days, the Southern Farm Show edition of the Farmer's Connection magazine is out. Farmer's Connection is a newsprint magazine with listings new and used of equipment for local dealers. Dealers like Mark Chesson and Sons in Williamston, Caps Trailers, Kinston, Premier Equipment in Rocky Mount, Enfield, Washington, and Aden, and Modern Tractor in Richlands, Nash, and Burgaw. When you find a great deal, you won't have to pay a ton to ship it because it's right here in our area. Grab a copy of the latest issue of Farmer's Connection magazine. You'll find it at independent equipment dealers in eastern North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. I haven't seen B.G. Mitchell in a while. Look forward to chatting with him at the Southern Farm Show, a man that puts more miles on his truck than a UPS driver without the sexy brown socks. And that's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand at ecfarming.com. There you'll also find links to our sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. Support the show. Have your supplier call Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.